Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. everybody welcome to the show i've got a good one for you this week my special guest is chef alex Bax from the very popular feta flav food truck in the soon to come feta flav greek tavern we'll talk more about those two things in a little bit but before i get on with the rest of the show i want to uh, first of all, talk about Thanksgiving, because I mentioned last week, I said uh, we all celebrated Thanksgiving. And then I said those those of us who do celebrate Thanksgiving. So I kind of corrected myself because, of course, not everybody does celebrate Thanksgiving. There's a sizable indigenous population in the United States that's not too psyched about Thanksgiving from everything I read and saw on uh indigenous people's day which is the day after thanksgiving and i think it should kind of be the day before thanksgiving but whatever uh on that day don and i looked up a bunch of stuff watched a bunch of stuff read things just kind of got the like we do every year we get some uh native american perspectives on thanksgiving and i i would um i'm going to you find uh, uh, one. I'm going to ask one of my Native American friends and acquaintances to come on the show and talk about that from their perspective. But I want to talk about Thanksgiving from my perspective as, you know, just suburban white boy uh, raised in America with all the traditional BS that they teach in school. And I bought into the BS and I loved the cute little story of the first Thanksgiving when I was a little boy. But of course, the scales fell from my eyes. Uh, you know, in my teenage years, my youth, and um, I, I, and so I no longer buy into the whole first Thanksgiving narrative, and have have read some more historical, historically accurate points of view and stuff like that. But I still do celebrate the day with all the food and the family, and let me tell you why, uh, and that is because. A lot of my personal traditions are based around uh, Northern European pagan traditions because those that's my that's my personal heritage. My family is German and, uh, and with some Scotch and English in there, and uh, that's just it. And so I treat Thanksgiving. Dawn and I and my family we mostly treat Thanksgiving as if it's the feast at the end of the harvest season in preparation for winter to come and a lot of northern european and other cold environments all over the world not just european but all over the world where there is a cold season there can be a harvest feast and i know i'm not saying anything y'all don't already know like this is not new information to literally anybody but i'm just telling you this is why i celebrate thanksgiving in that way not so much about pilgrims and stuff because, you know, I'm not into false narratives and I'm not into um, celebrating BS. And I know that the arrival of Europeans was horrible 
for the indigenous people here and it's no nothing to celebrate so when i talk about thanksgiving and the celebrating that my family and i do it is a largely a pagan seasonal feast holiday and my family is not religious so we don't tie god into it or anything like that just wanted to let you know a little bit about my personal beliefs and feelings towards the holiday of Thanksgiving, because it is a very important food holiday in a lot of ways. It's one of the biggest food holidays of the year. But because of the myth of the first Thanksgiving and because of the horrors of the indigenous Holocaust, it there's a lot of baggage around it a lot of uh, baggage is probably the wrong word there's a lot of controversy there's a lot of uh i don't know what to say heaviness and bad feelings and stuff around it understandably so just wanted to make all that clear all right now let's uh get on with the rest of the show All right, everybody, I am back and I have one of my special guests and you guys know that all of my guests are special. I say so every week. I'm so happy to be able to have them on the show. And today I have one of my favorite folks in the food scene here, a gentleman I've known for a number of years, a chef in town. And I first met him when he was working at a place called The Mez. And that was inside the S&W building, which is a famous, beautiful Art Deco building right smack dab in the middle of downtown Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, I met the chef and I met his moussaka and it was the best moussaka I have ever had in my entire life. And I am no stranger to moussaka. I've been eating it since I was a little kid. And uh, I'm talking about Chef Alex Baxavanus. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Chef, we'll just go with Chef Bax. That's how he calls himself, Chef Alex Bax. Hey, Chef, how are you today? I'm great, Stu. How are you? I'm doing great. We just noted it got really cold in Asheville all of a sudden. Very cold. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure thing, man. Uh, now, Chef Alex has gone on to do his own thing since I met him at the Mez. And uh, he's got a truck with a very clever name. And it's a very popular truck. It's called Feta Flav. Chef Alex, how long have you been doing Feta Flav? I've been doing Feta Flav for three years now. Okay. Started right in the middle of uh, 2020 when we started it up. Oh, right in the middle of the thick of the right, right in the middle of the whole the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's a great truck. I, I don't eat off Thank of you. it as often as I would like, which I can say about every single food truck uh, that I enjoy in Western North Carolina. I can't get to them as much as I'd like to because you all move around so much. Uh, and there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us. I mean, bunk, between Bungle County and Henderson County, I think there's over 200 some trucks. Yes, you are correct, sir. Uh, yeah. there's, there's close to 300 registered. Okay. Not all of them are active, of course, but no, yeah. Yeah. And so let's just talk about the difference between a kitchen, uh, in a brick and mortar and a rolling kitchen on a truck that was, was, is this your first truck you've ever worked on? Uh, this is my second truck I've ever worked on. I had one years ago that was, um, a lot bigger. I mean, it was huge. Um, I could actually build a, a double call hauler, the size of it. It was over 40 feet long. Dang. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something you would see on movie sets, not around town. It was just too too big to move around. And just before food trucking was a big scene in Asheville and all the politics before everybody were fighting for it to get everything done, like Susie with Gypsy Queen and all that stuff. But they, those guys are, you know, heroes in my book to fight that much for us to be able to do it. And then, you know, this, it was just such a, 
a, a rat race and a show to try to get through things. I was just, I got rid of the truck and went back to normal kitchens for a while because that thing was just massively huge. And that was when gas prices were going up to back in like 2008, I think, 2009. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, having the means to pull it and having to move it all around with all the stipulations they had for trucks back then was just impossible. That's very so. interesting. So a bit a big truck has its mm -hmm. pluses, but also a lot of minuses. A lot of minuses. A lot of minuses. And so and it's hard to fit in certain places. And now, especially with the, we have a trailer. It's not even a truck. It's a ours is a trailer that we pull around. So it's a it's I'm 14 foot, and you know to put my truck and trailer, and I still need you know almost 25 feet. But right. it, well, the breweries around the area they have spaces for us, so it helps out a lot. Um, a smaller truck is a lot better because I don't have to go as far. I can just reach and grab things. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> space, I mean, nobody can pass me if I'm working. There's no two people fitting. It's it's one straight line and and actually sits in the window and serves and doesn't move at all. So that's um, right. It like that. Yeah. Um, and I uh, recently a, a trailer owner told me that when it came time for them to decide between a truck and a trailer, they opted for the trailer because their logic was if your engine fails on your truck, you're SOL. Absolutely. But Anybody, if I, it happened to me, my truck went out. Um, I, I actually lost a serpentine belt and I couldn't go to a job one day. And I had a friend tell me where I needed to go. We went and set up and then I rented a truck the next day while I was in the shop and still work. But and trying to get a big truck like that in for oil changes is there's only certain shops that can do it and down and all the maintenance on a regular drivable truck is a lot more than a trailer. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the reason we went that way as well. And it's a lot cheaper. I mean, you know, versus $100,000 for a drivable truck, you're looking at, you know, $30,000, $40,000 to build a food trailer. Wow. And, and well, that is you a could huge... three years ago, but now it's about sixty. So <laughs> okay, yeah, times change, like prices. Wow, especially for building materials and stuff. Oh, and you and your dad did a lot of the work on the interior of the truck, isn't that correct? Or the trailer? Every, is that everything, in, everything in it. We built, we did the whole thing. We bought a box trailer. We cut the window into it. Um, funny enough, we did it three years ago, starting in November, and um, it was cold as hell, snowing, raining, and we were out in my driveway doing it while we were still. <laughs> I can say this now. We worked it illegally for a while. I mean, I had a, I was working out of commercial kitchens, prepping everything because I have friends that have restaurants. But you know, I'd be pulling up with a barbecue grill, a shop light, and a, an extension cord, and a trailer, <laughs> <laughs> and selling food just so I can outfit it. So there you go. But, uh, luckily, but you know, we, we were just doing like two things on the truck then, and we had a plug-in fryer, and then to where you know, four and a half months later, by working it that way, we had a complete rolling food truck that's been thriving for three years and now we're opening a brick and mortar store. Yeah. Let's talk about that next chef. Um, this is exciting news for any of your fans. As I mentioned, it's hard to track down even the food trucks that do a really good job posting their schedules and stuff. Um, and you know, as a person who myself, I don't drive, so it's hard for me to get to places outside of my little circle of influence here. Mm -hmm. But even people who drive, you know, like they've got their local brewery. And if you're not at that one, they're not necessarily going to drive an extra five miles or whatever to go to exactly. another brewery. So and it also depends on what band is there. As there's so many different things that go on with it. You know, that's there's lots of pros and cons to food truck life. I mean, it's great. It's wonderful. But there's lots of headaches and heartaches when it's, you know, raining outside or cold and you're in a brewery that doesn't have any indoor seating. Mm. Uh, you're not going to do any business that day. <laughs> no, you close close up and go home. More close or less. up shop because you know you're just burning propane and freezing and not even making anything. That's right, man. Uh, the food truck life, I like that. Do you do you 
Do you see food trucks as a means to an end or an end even in and of themselves for you personally? I mean, you can look at it either way. I mean, I never thought I was going to go back into a brick and mortar store again because I love my truck so much. Okay. But the, like, I mean, I even bought another trailer to build it out to make a bigger one. And just the opportunity fell in my chance for this. And then circumstances with the way things are going in the world, the economy, that it kind of forced me to look at a different option because, you know, I went from having 20 different spots I could go to mm-hmm. and 60 trucks per se three years ago to now there's seven spots because unfortunately there's some of us in this industry that will cancel on a drop of a dime or if the weather's bad and not show up and just give us a bad name. So brewery owners and people were like, to hell with it. We're going to put a permanent truck somewhere or yeah. we're going to put a kitchen in the brewery and we don't need food trucks. So I went from 20 spots to six. Wow. So you wow. break that down now with 300 trucks, I get two days a month. Right. That's all. I'm only working 18 days out of the month. That doesn't pay bills anymore. So I had to look at different avenues. I mean, luckily when we're open, we do good business. Mm-hmm. So, but it doesn't match up to what it did three years ago. Okay. So and an opportunity to have the brick and mortar fell in. You said it kind of fell into your lap, or you just changed it, it, it fell in my lap. I mean. Where we have our we have our own commissary kitchen. We don't share a commissary kitchen with anybody um, because we have a spice company as well. So mm-hmm. Chef Square Cookies have the eighteen different spice blends, two hot sauces, some salad dressings, and stuff like that. It's kind of how we started actually, and then we went from there to the food truck. So okay. we had our own space for that, and then in the building we're in and in the com- the shopping center we're in, um, the person that had a restaurant beside us left, and the landlords approached me like, "Hey, would you be interested in doing this?" And I was like, "You know, it happened at the right time." I uh, made a decision in about three days. Didn't even, <laughs> they asked me like September 15th by September, like October 1st, I was signing a lease. It wasn't even, I was kind of like, okay, how much will it cost me to fix it and build it out? Can I do it? Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's go for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> kind of and... a trap. We just, I mean, I know it'll do good and sure. Because we have a great following. Thank God. And we do everything with our heart, old recipes, family recipes from the deep roots. So it kind of fell in. We're going to try to keep the truck going too through the summer months. Um, so we don't have to work in the winter where it's freezing and right. we know big, do big events, caterings and stuff like that. We'll still do those and some of the big events that we do. So, and try to do some breweries and stuff in the summertime and still take our truck out that everybody loves at the spot. They want to get a nice beer or whatever and hang out and we'll still mm-hmm. be able to do that too. Well, that's great news for, for you and your family and great news for the people of Asheville, the eaters of Asheville, your fans and followers. And when, when you say we, you use the word we all the time, and you're talking about you and your family, you mm-hmm. and your dad, your wife, Chef Ashley. And um, and so not you and your dad not only built out the, the truck or the trailer, but you're also currently building out this new space, like you new and your space. dad swinging hammers and stuff. And um, so you're a real DIY type of operation. You kind of have to be in this day and age to make any money because it's, I mean, if you've got the big bucks, it's great. But I've noticed that if you don't build it yourself, you don't hurt for it as much. There you go, brother. I this love that. Is, I mean, my dad has instilled in me work, work, work from a young age. But yet, you know, wow. he's 70 years old and he's still in here swinging hammers with me. Um, he's We're painting today. We'll, hopefully we'll finish the construction by today and tomorrow. Uh, I did tile work for the first time in my life. I learned how to put tile up and grout it and um all kinds of stuff we did electrical plumbing just minor things but still stuff you have to do put a whole new ceiling in Bang, you know, little things that, little things that save a lot of money but yeah. you know at the end you know i'm scrubbing the toilets first in here 
So I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I haven't done. And I've said that a million times. I will never ask someone to do something I haven't done. Mm-hmm. And I do it all from front to beginning and scrub toilets and scrub floors with toothbrushes to get the paint off that I mess up and don't pay attention to. And a lot of blood, sweat and tear goes into it. And, you know, right now it's cold. We don't have we have power in here, but we don't have heat because it's gas. So we're in, you know, a 40 degree building working and just hey. making, making it happen. There you go. That's the Appalachian way, right? Like you, That's exactly you... it. And I get to spend time with my dad. So I mean, my dad, my wife, we're doing the construction, and it's the coolest thing to get to hang out with my dad. So even the memory of working on building a restaurant together, it's still there. When you know, he's even cooking beside me. He taught me how to cook years ago, and when I went to culinary school, he begged me not to. He's like, "You're crazy. Don't do it." And so then we did food trucks, and he was there with me, helping me the whole time. And now he's back. He's like, "Oh, we're building the restaurant. Cool. Let's do it." That's great, man. And uh, I should mention you went to Johnson and Wales. So that's a great uh, place to have a degree from. from. And so great that your dad is basically your biggest fan and supporter of your career. My my family is is awesome. My mom, my dad, my wife, you know, they're they're great. I'm blessed to have them. If I didn't have them, I wouldn't be much. Fantastic. I feel the same way about my own family. And um let me talk about family because we just celebrated uh, Thanksgiving or those of us who celebrate did. And uh, so I can imagine Thanksgiving at your house. Pretty awesome, chef. Uh, what what did your Thanksgiving table look like this year? Most years I do all the cooking this year. Um, my table was pretty empty. I got invited to my cousin's house because we were working in a restaurant. So um, I sat down at the table covered in paint and sheetrock dust and <laughs> and my cousin's wife had cooked and it was great. And people were like, Oh, it's so hard to cook for a chef. I'm like, no, I'm happy with anything. You can give me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I didn't have to make it. So, you know, <laughs> and it was, and they do great. You know, they they worry. I'm like, don't worry. You know, they, yeah. they do work. It's, it's, it's humbling to me for someone to cook for me. I yeah. enjoy it. I yeah. don't judge anyone for cooking because they, they put their heart into it. So as long as you put your heart into it, I don't care. I agree. People sometimes say the same thing about me, like, oh, my God, you're a food writer. I feel so intimidated. I'm like, don't don't be like I make myself mac and cheese out of a box and I'm super happy. Hey, with it. I do it, too. Yeah. Um, mac and cheese. I, I eat drive through food. It sucks. But, I, <laughs> you know, after working all day long, it's the last thing I want to do. Or, you know, cereal has been my friend a lot lately. Um, cereal and cold sandwiches. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, chef, you mentioned your spice company a little bit, but let's talk about that because you gifted me, I think, every spice blend that you carry, and they are awesome. Like, I Thank still you. use them, I used them this Thanksgiving to, to I use some of them on my vegetables and my turkey and stuff, and made I make use of them all the time. And the thing I love about them is they taste like exactly what they're supposed to (laughs) like you gave me one that's they all have clever names and forgive me i might not be able to remember the names but one of them is called something like ranch ranchero and i can't take any credit for the clever names that's all ashley's doing because mine is just like season the shit you know i know until the day that she forced me to sit down and write a recipe for this she's like well if you're going to do spices you know you got to have recipes i'm like what do you mean i just throw it in the bowl and mix it up she's like no and that's the baker and her and the science, the yeah. scientists, everything has to be perfection. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I want instant gratification to hell with making everything. The same. That's right, man. So uh, three years later, we're going really strong. I mean, we've probably sold over 12,000 jars of spices. People don't realize for a small business, that's a lot. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a ton. And that shows that people like your spices. Yeah. And they want um, the f- but 
we love it. We're actually going to sell them here in the restaurant. We're going to have the we have a little retail spot. We'll sell that. I'm going to have some imported olive oil, some imported uh, red wine uh, vinegar from Greece. But we'll sell pretty much all of our stuff here too, and some other local products. Great. You're going to sell moussaka. I am. I'm going to sell uh... a lot. I hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope so too. You'll sell a lot to me and my family for sure. My whole family loves moussaka, so we'll be in for sure. And chef, we'll have for... like take it go too. So like, if you want somebody wants to come get it and take it home and finish it off, we'll have that ready. We'll be able to do that as well. So they give like a day notice. So Perfect. we're we're doing things a little bit differently at the restaurant here. This one, um, this has been a dream of mine forever. I grew yeah. up in the restaurant business. My dad had seafood restaurants. He had Fisherman's Quarters in Nashville for years. Um, and I always did it cause it was good money, but it wasn't where my heart was. Um, okay. my heart is deep in my roots. Um, my Greek family roots. I mean, I love my American family very much and I know my Southern side. I'm very in touch with it. I love the food that way too, but the bond I had with my grandmother and my dad, you know, was, was amazing. And my, I can say my recipes are three to 400 years old Yeah, because yeah. they come from my great, great grandmother. I know exactly where they came from. Um, they say, you know, Music and food trigger sensors. And so I've been sitting in the kitchen before listening to old Greek music or whatever and cooking something and the smells hit me. My eyes would just start watering. People are like, are you doing this? I'm like, onions? I'm like, no, I'm crying because I'm thinking about my grandma. But it's a happy tear. Yes. You know, it touches me deep to my soul. So this is my baby. This is what I've always wanted to do. So um, it's going to be called Feta Flav Greek Taverna, which is tavern in, in English. Um, it's a gathering spot for friends to come and eat good food. So nice. we're going to have down home Greek style cooking, not watered down. Um, I love everybody around the area that does says they do Greek food here. It's a good try. Um, not knocking anybody, but um, it's been, you know, it's not bold. Greek flavors are very bold and in your face. And a lot of people are scared of that. I, I push it. I will push it as strong as I can. And as long as I can, you know, in Greek, Greek tomato sauce, you're going to have cinnamon. You're going to have clove and it's going to be very abundant. It's not going to be basil what people are used to right so we want when you come into the restaurant it's going to be a new culture experience it's like you're walking into greece and seeing what it's like so and that's what we want we want to show in greece we have a word called philotimo or philoxenia is where you show your friends your friend your philos's friend and xenos is a stranger so every your stranger becomes your friend that's awesome oh well chef thank you for all of that that was fantastic and uh I, I often talk about your food when I talk to my food tours about the S&W, and I mention the moussaka, but I also mention that one of my all-time favorite food days of my whole life was around Easter time, and you did American, Southern American Easter food and Greek Easter food, and it was just fantastic. You're you're just equally as good at both. And I'm sure you could take on other cultural foods and knock them out of the park as well. But I'm Thank super you. excited about your new restaurant. And um, for the people who are listening locally, please tell us where it's going to be located. And for those listening outside the area and locally, tell us where we can find you online. We'll be um, online. It's Feta Flav Food Truck on Instagram and Facebook. Right now, we don't have a website up just yet. Um, where the physical location is 2111 Asheville Highway in the Blue Ridge Common Shopping Center in Hendersonville. So it's uh, two suites, and we're going to have a lunch and dinner service. The only day we will be closed is Monday. Uh, and we'll have, uh, for lunch, we'll have like counter service, and dinner will have full service from four to eight. 
um, and stuff, and through the weekend, four to nine on the weekends. Fantastic. But we'll have moussaka, lamb chops, pasticho. Um, I'm actually going to be making the Greek sausage that you like. Yes. And um, we also want to do, we're going to do special things probably every three months, four months, do some things. We've got some exciting ideas that we want to do and make it a lot of fun for people to see something and experience Greece in the mountains. Cool, cool. You mentioned that it's your dream come true. Coincidentally, it's also my dream come true, Chef, that you would have a, a brick and mortar where I can find you anytime I want. So congratulations. Uh, let me know when you're going to be open. We'll do some fanfare. We'll come in. We'll shoot some videos or whatnot. And uh, I also want to get your lovely wife, Chef um, Chef Ashley, on the show. So we'll get her on to talk about her own thing. She, in her own right, is a fantastic yeah, her baker. Those are all just as equally old as old recipes, and she puts her heart into it. And you'll get to see her face a lot in the front because she'll be running the front of the restaurant too. Multi, multifaceted, you know, we got to do everything. That's right. Family run business. All right, Chef. Well, I'll let you go. I know you're busy. Thank you so much for being on the show with me Good this time. week. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. See you later, brother. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All righty, folks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with my very good friend, Chef Alex Bax. He's a great guy, making great food, a hard worker, no-nonsense guy, says what's on his mind and tells it like it is. And I'm really looking forward to the Feta Flav Greek Tavern uh, opening, opening up. And I'm going to hit up some of that moussaka. You know I am. Uh, so yeah, Chef Alex, one of my favorite people. Let's talk about one of my other favorite people. And I tried to get her to come on the show, but she is incredibly shy. So I'm just going to talk about her instead. And this is my friend, Chef Jill Worthy, aka The Worthy Baker. Her food is much beloved by the people who know about it. Chef does not own a brick and mortar. She works out of her kitchen. She just does what she needs to do to make her and her husband, Jimmy, happy in life. And Jimmy works hard to make it all happen, too. They are side by side making it happen in their certified kitchen. And they have a lot of uh, wholesale customers all over town. So you can get her baked goods at like Mother Ocean or Griff's Kitchen other places, just you know, look look up uh, look her up online, the worthy baker, and see where you can buy her stuff around town. But you can also order it from her directly and and pick it up. And you can find her and Jimmy every Saturday at the downtown farmers market. And y'all know that I like to go to the downtown farmers market. I live adjacent to downtown. I walk or ride my e-bike down there. Uh, got my e-bike from Asheville e-bikes, by the way. Great little company. Go pay them a visit uh, on the river on Depot Street in the River Arts or over there on Haywood Ave in uh, West Asheville. And uh, so, yeah, the farmer's market downtown is very uh, cute and boutique but also has all the stuff you need. It's got vegetables, meat. Pasta, fresh pasta from Pasta and Prana, made out of hemp kernels, really super delicious. Uh, coffee roasters, selling hot coffee and bags of coffee. And um, people selling plants like live plants to bring home, to plant in your garden or to put around your house. There's live music. Last weekend, Santa Claus was there. Not even kidding, man. I really wanted to get my picture taken with Santa, but I got all shy uh, at the last minute and decided not to. 
and there was live music that was holiday style music not obnoxious though really good like bluegrass style um and it's just a really fun thing and it happens on historic north market street which has always uh, historically been the site of the outdoor market as far as i can remember south market street of course having the old indoor farmers market on it which is now our police and fire department if you didn't realize that that building used to be the indoor farmers market that's what it was built by uh again historically important uh local architect james vester miller look up mr miller online and learn about him he's an interesting local guy born and raised here great architect had a company called miller and sons uh built several buildings around town including the indoor farmers market now our police and fire department but let's go that's on south market street let's go over the hump you know Asheville downtown divided right down the middle by a ridge with uh pat and Ave running down it and once you go over that hump you're on the other side and so the north side south side over the hump to north Asheville street where the outdoor farmers market happens every saturday until one i think over the winter and it is going to happen all winter long that was confirmed to me by two different sources because i couldn't believe it the first time i heard it and that is great i was sad every fall when the farmers market downtown would close so i'm so psyched that they're open all summer and in, in addition to all the things i mentioned you can get there the coffee the meat the pasta etc 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 you can also get baked goods. And two of my favorite bakers are there, including Chef Jill Worthy and Jimmy. And whenever I go and I see them, I almost always come home with one of their fun Fetty Blondies. And I love a Blondie. And Jill's fun Fetty Blondies are real fun. They have colorful confetti on top. They're super delicious. Secret, they're gluten-free. She doesn't announce that. She might be even upset that I'm telling you because people love them regardless and she doesn't always tell people they're gluten-free or doesn't usually tell people unless they are asking for gluten-free stuff but you don't have to be gluten intolerant to love these funfetti blondies they are one of my favorite things and uh, i got a cheddar biscuit from jill and it was fantastic man like i don't usually get her savory stuff I, I she doesn't offer a lot of it but here she had this cheddar biscuit i love a good cheddar biscuit cheddar bacon biscuit let me back up a step cheddar bacon biscuit and uh took it home toasted it up dropped a egg on top with a runny yolk and it was fan freaking fantastic so hit up jill worthy the worthy baker at the farmer's market every saturday and then walk a few feet down and find the french pastry French Broad Pantry. Okay, I messed that up. The French Broad Pantry. And I always hit up these guys. They make amazing, amazing pastries in the French style. It's my favorite kind, I believe. And um, I, I, whenever I get to the top of the market, they're kind of like towards the back of the market always. I get to the top and I start to get FOMO. Like the minute that I get to the market, my my fear of missing out on French broad pantry baked goods becomes acute. And the closer and closer I get to them and I make a beeline right for them. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? Can't talk. Uh, and I straight to the French broad pantry. And this week I was, it, we were there just as everybody was kind of folding up to go home. So I had real FOMO and I got there and there was plenty of stuff. So that was great. 
and I load it up, man. I got baked goods for days and I keep them under a glass dome and I keep them semi-fresh and then I toast them up in the toaster oven to make sure that they're, you know, at their optimal best. And yes, it is best to eat baked goods on the day they are made, but I am not opposed to eating them up to three days later. I hope that's not freaking people out, but as long as they taste good, they're fine. Um, and so at the pastry French broad pantry, I always get the almond twist. It's large, it's flaky, like super flaky, like flaky in all caps. So get a napkin or something to eat it over and then turn the napkin uh, upside down and shake the flakes into your face because every flaky bit of this almond twist is fantastic. And then I got some other stuff, a, a cheese Danish and this and that, but I got something that it just looked super delicious and I couldn't pronounce the word. So I just pointed, but I have since looked up how to pronounce it online. So this thing is a queen a queen And And uh, it sounds like you're saying queen, like Q-U-E-E-N, but it is spelled K-O-U-I-G-N. It's pronounced queen or quinamon. Quinamon, and then the other word, A-M-A-N-N, Quinamon. I don't know. It's a word from Breton. Breton is a, a Celtic language, and uh, it's and the language is from Brittany. And Brittany is in northern France where they still speak Breton. And so this is a, a pastry from Brittany. And so the French broad pastry pantry, I believe that the, the executive chef there, the main person is from France. I, I think that is the case. Correct me if I'm wrong. So the food, the pastries are super authentic. And this quinamon is unbelievable. What it is, that's the, the word, the words mean butter cake in Breton. And so it is very buttery, but it's made with a dough that does not contain any butter, milk, or other fats. The dough itself is just water, yeast, salt, and um, flour, and that's it. All of the butter is in between the many, many laminated layers of this dough. Butter and sugar go in between the layers and then it's all rolled up and sliced and it looks like a really tight cinnamon roll with thin layers, like really layered and delicious looking and it gets baked and the sugar uh, melts and then caramelizes. And this thing is on freaking believable. Like it's just incredible. So get on down to the, uh, the French broad pantry at the downtown farmer's market. You guys can probably always tell when I start to really talk about food that I like, I kind of lose track of what I'm saying and stuff. And it's because I kind of go into this quasi dream state where I'm remembering the food and thinking about the next time I'm going to eat it and how I'm going to get to it and stuff like that. But anyways, get to the farmer's market every Saturday from I think 8 a.m. until 1 p.m. But look that up online. Never trust me to tell you the hours. The hours are wacky and I don't and I'm terrible at remembering anything that involves a number. 
I have a weird blind spot for numbers. All right, but get down there, enjoy the food, say hi to Jill Worthy for me, say hi to the French Broad Pantry for me, Pasta and Prana, all of the vendors down there. Say hi to Santa if you see him. Hopefully he'll be there this weekend, and I will have the courage to get my picture took with Santa. All right, folks, let's listen to a little bit of my theme song, and then we'll come right back. Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots in the country. And although we think of Asheville as Food City USA, right now thousands of our neighbors are currently experiencing not enough. But you can help. Mana Food Bank has been serving the Western North Carolina area for over 40 years with much needed food support. And with Mana, just $1 can provide four meals. Learn more at manafoodbank.org. Yes, y'all, Man of Food Bank doing great things. Please support them during this so-called giving season that we have that goes from, I guess, uh, mid-November until January 1st. Give to Mana if you can. Give what you can. They can do amazing things. They can take $1 and make four meals out of that. I just, I just think that's amazing. And so if you, again... If you are able, please give to Mana, and you can actually turn every single one of your Facebook and or Instagram posts into a Mana Food Bank fundraiser. Every post you make can be converted into a fundraiser for whatever charity you choose, and Mana is listed among them. So when you make especially posts about food, please consider turning them into a fundraiser. It's easy to do. You have to kind of look for the little thing that says make it a fundraiser. On Facebook, it's a tiny little coin with a heart on it. You click on that. On Instagram, I'm pretty sure it just says make this post a fundraiser. And you can raise maybe a couple hundred bucks from your friends doing that. And of course, every single one of my Facebook and Instagram posts is during the giving season going to be it already is a uh fundraiser in and of itself so please donate to mana and uh let's talk about christmas is coming and much like thanksgiving i celebrate all of the stuff about christmas except for the christianity i i was raised as a christian in fact my father is a christian minister or he was he's passed away now uh, and he was a great guy, and he really believed in the teachings of Jesus and stuff, and he instilled a lot of those good parts of Christianity in me and my sister, And uh, but, you know, he also, along with my mom, taught us to be free thinkers, and these days I consider myself mostly agnostic, leaning toward paganism, and uh, and so I do celebrate Christmas, and last week I told you charming stories, I hope, about marching out into the snowy Christmas tree farm with Santa Claus himself and cutting down Christmas trees in New England and stuff and how wonderful it was. Uh, but these days I strictly uh, do it for the, the pretty lights, the gift giving. I like to give gifts to people and I don't mind receiving one or two myself and the food, the chocolate, Santa Claus. I love Santa Claus, reindeers, all of the accoutrements around Christmas. I totally love. And let me tell you, there is practically nowhere in Asheville more charming than downtown 
Asheville. And I know the Grove Park Inn has its charms, especially because the gingerbread house competition is still up for you to look at. So go look at that for sure. And I'll, I haven't seen it yet, but I'll try to get up there and then I'll do a little segment about it if I can. Uh, but yes, downtown Asheville is just incredible at Christmas time. There's Christmas trees everywhere you look. The stores have them. The Grove Arcade itself, which is like, it just looks like it's made out of buttercream for one thing, the whole building. And it looks like it is the biggest uh, competitor in the gingerbread competition in a lot of ways. And uh, it's gorgeous, lends itself very well to Christmas, and they go all out. They decorate the crap out of the interior of the Grove Arcade. And so if you can get into the Grove Arcade, take yourself on a tour of downtown Asheville. Start on the west side of downtown with maybe Session Cafe for a coffee and a bite, or better yet, grab a chicory coffee from Babette's with a beignet and bring it inside the arcade, and I don't mean better yet, do do both. Get a coffee from Session, get a coffee from Babette's, get a beignet, go inside the Grove Arcade where there's ample seating. Like, there's tons of tables and chairs inside the Grove Arcade, and you can sit there, look at all the pretty lights, all the many, many Christmas trees that are everywhere, and uh, see them and watch the people walking around enjoying themselves. There's a very happy vibe inside the Grove Arcade. You could also grab a coffee or a latte, or I guess a latte is a coffee, from uh, Summit Coffee, which is right there. And you can do a little shopping in the Grove Arcade. There's uh, gift stores. There's um, Christmas ornaments galore available in there. There's Spice Walla that you can go into and grab a box set of spices for your favorite home cook or your favorite professional chef. And um, just a wonderful place to go. So get on down to the Grove Arcade and do a little and treat yourself to some Christmas Wonderland. Uh, it's it's free until you start buying stuff and then you got to pay for it. Um, then right across the street is Hemingway's Cuba. It's on the third floor, I think. Uh, they call it the rooftop bar, but it's more of a balcony bar of the Cambria Hotel. And um, Hemingway's it has a beautiful view looking southwest across some lower rooftops. You can see the self-help building really well, which is a beautiful building. And if you're there at sunset, like, it's the most beautiful thing you're going to see right there. It's gorgeous to watch the sunset behind the buildings and the mountains on the other side of the Cambria Hotel. And I don't know, I don't think I told you all this, but... The Cambria invited me to try their winter cabanas. I'm making finger quotes right now. They're called their winter cabanas. And so I went with my sister, just me and my sister. She and I don't get a lot of time to spend just with each other. So I had this opportunity to take her out for a nice dinner. And I did. And it was by invitation of the house. They invited us to go sit in these two, one of the two new cabanas on the rooftop. And again, finger quotes around the word cabana. They are essentially these small greenhouses and one of them has a table and seating for six the other has uh like a dining room style table a low coffee table style and seating for eight they both have uh, um electric fireplaces more finger quotes here because they look like a little 
potbelly stove with they look like they got a flame in there but they're just electric heaters they crank out a good chunk of heat you can close the door and it's warm in there you can leave it open it's breezy there's a phonograph player that's also um modern there's some records you can play like mostly some light jazz and soul and uh and probably some cuban music i didn't even realize it's probably cuban music um but the phonographs are modern so they will find your cell phone with the bluetooth and you can play whatever soundtrack you want while you're in there or you can just uh ask them to leave the house speakers on in there and you're listening to whatever they're playing which for the most part is going to be really nice Cuban, Caribbean, Latin theme music. And uh, the w- my sister and I opted to sit in the one that has the table for six. I didn't really know what to expect. I had no idea what to expect. And uh, so it was just the two of us. I could have invited four more friends and that would have been fun. And maybe I should have, but I had a wonderful time with just my sister. And uh, there's faux fur in case you are a little chilly out there. There's uh, twinkle lights in there or like party lights uh, around the greenhouse. So it's well lit, but romantic. Um, And I was with my sister, so there was no romance. It was just like nice, you know, don't get weird, y'all. And uh, but for a couple. But here's the thing. It's not cheap. In fact, there was a questionnaire at the end because I was invited as sort of like beta testing. And one of the questions was, do you think the pricing is fair? And I can't really talk about the pricing because this goes out over public radio, but you have to rent the cabana and then you have to guarantee that you're going to spend a certain amount of money on food and beverages. And if you have six people, you're going to hit that minimum food and beverage line no problem. So then you would just have to split the cost of the cabana six ways. If you're eight people, even better in the in the sit in the more casual one, even easier to pay for it and hit that minimum. But that that's the only catch. While it would be very romantic for a couple to be in, it would also be hella expensive for a couple to afford. So get that right out of your mind. This is for special occasions for I would say four to eight people, um, depending on how much money you want to spend, because it's kind of like the more people, the less money you get the idea. Now, let's talk about the food, because honestly, Hemingway's has not had a great great reputation for food, uh, but they have a new chef, a young uh, chef who's not only new to Hemingway, but also new to Asheville. So go in and make this chef welcome. Actually can't recall the chef's name right now. This was a couple of weeks ago. I was up there with my sister. And um uh the but very nice guy. He came out and said, Hi, I think that's part of the cabana deal that if you rent it, you'll get a visit from the chef. And he brought his sous chef with him, also young. And I, I think she's new to town as well. So two young, enthusiastic chefs. And my sister got the Vieja Rojo, and I got the uh the uh coconut shrimp. I won't even try to say that in um Spanish. It was uh oh, maybe I will try to say it. What was it? Uh gambas uh con coco, I think. Is gambas the right word? Probably not. Sorry, folks. Um, not good at words, but it was shrimp with rice and coconut sauce, and it was delicious. It was very good. And my sister's rojo was even better. Um, I liked them both. The rice was very good. Mine was a little heavy on the salt, 
not too much for me, but I could imagine too much for like my wife or for other people who are a little more salt sensitive than I am. Um, my sister's was not too heavy on the salt and was just freaking delicious. Now, how authentic were either of them to Cuban food? I don't know. I really don't because I've never been to Cuba. I've never been to Miami. I've never, I've eaten some Cuban sandwiches and a little bit of Cuban food here and there, but I am by no means an expert. But I can tell you that we enjoyed both of our entrees very, very much. Now, my I don't drink and my sister only drinks beer primarily. And so she had a local brew. I forget which one. So we did not partake partake in cocktails, but I did have a mocktail and it was uh, nice and dry with a little bit of sweetness and was very enjoyable. And so at least I can say the mocktail program was good. And the whole thing was very Christmassy. Again, it felt like Christmas up there or like a holiday, let's say, like a pagan winter holiday, if you will. Uh, the, the lights, the twinkle or the party lights on the cabana made all the difference. So if you can afford it, get on up to the cabanas at Hemingway's Cuba and have that Vieja Rojo. Uh, that, that, that dish I think is named after a myth and a funny legend, um, that I think it's, it's by legend, it's made with actual rags, I believe, like shredded up cloth. And a gentleman was so, uh, broke, he didn't have enough money to buy meat, but he was making a stew. And so he shredded up some clothing and added that to his stew and uh over and he was so pious i think i think there's some christian christian elements to this story but let's just say he was so pious that overnight the shredded up clothing turned into beef and uh i'm gonna guess that beef was kind of a luxury item back in the day uh this is a legend from spain i believe uh might be from cuba i'm not sure but uh, yeah, there you go. Vieja Rojo. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. As anybody who listens to my show knows, I am horrible at pronouncing things. Now, let's continue our Christmas journey through downtown because uh, right around the corner is a wonderful gift shop called Madam Clutterbuckets. And if you can, get into Madam Clutterbuckets. It's awesome. The people who work there are awesome. The owner's really nice. The collection of oddities, uh, retro, vintage, uh, all kinds of little doodads, finger puppets, um, all with kind of a, a twisted bent to it. Like it's all a little bit weird in a way. Uh, bought myself a vintage Santa Claus hang up thing to hang on the wall. And it was retro, which means it's like new, but looks vintage. And uh it, it was actually an old image reprinted, you know, and it's old drunken Santa, like old school, creepy drunken Santa where they weren't trying to be creepy. They just Santa had the rosy red cheeks, the wry smile, the bright red nose winking at you. He, he's he's got something on his mind. Come sit on Santa's lap. Uh, so I got one of those at Madam Clutterbuckets and then. Uh, continuing into town, I visited all my favorite places to shop for Christmas ornaments and decorations, such as the Lexington Avenue or Lexington Park Antique Store or Shop. I'm not sure what the name is. It's the large, big one with all the different vendors. A couple of them specialize in Christmas stuff. And I always go there and I almost dropped an F-bomb. I always fill up my 
cart. I don't even have a cart. I just grabbed some stuff and go to the counter and buy it. And I went there. I got some great stuff. And then Loft, L-O-F-T, Lost Objects, Found Treasures on Broadway is awesome. Like a great shop. Um, just floor to ceiling with tons of stuff. And they have great Christmas decorations, mostly in the front part of the store, but they do have more downstairs in the basement as well. So go there. And uh, uh, I would be remiss to not mention the Cottage Collections, which is also, which is on North Lexington Avenue. And they have a great little collection of Christmas ornaments, mostly in the hippie vein, like little gnomes and little mushrooms and stuff like that. Uh, my friend Andrea owns that. Shout out to Andrea. She's a great person. Uh, and then I just like go around to the chocolate shops, Asheville Chocolates, Chocolate Fetish, Chocolate Lounge. If you're not giving people chocolate for the holidays, you're going to get a lump of coal in your stocking for sure because you're just a bad person. If you're not giving chocolate to people during the holidays, you're a bad person and Santa doesn't like you. So get on downtown, buy some high quality chocolate and give it to people for the holidays unless you want that lump of coal in your stocking. And uh, I, I uh, we do we go crazy with the advent calendars. And I learned a few years ago that not only is chocolate really the only thing apart from like gumdrops and maybe jelly beans that you feel excited about when you open like advent calendar. Uh, the little drawer and uh, not only is is it chocolate is a must but high quality chocolate i last year i kind of went up and down the quality chain got some commercial stuff some mid-range stuff some high quality stuff and on those commercial days the children cried they and by children i mean me and don we cried we're eating a snickers and we're going this is terrible the christmas is ruined uh, and then on like French broad chocolates day or chocolate fetish day, we were like, this is the greatest stuff ever. And yeah, we need a piece of chocolate first thing in the morning, all Christmas long. So do that too. And uh, let me mention a couple of our booze purveyors. Let me say botanist and barrel, the hard apple cider tasting room on mm, North on Broadway. It's also on Broadway. Uh, has their hot mulled cider. It's non-alcoholic and it's delicious and it's a great way to warm up on a cold day. And then you can switch to their hard ciders once you're warmed up. They also do a little bit of charcuterie and stuff and it's really cute in there. And they have, you know, they have a great selection of tinned fish. I'm always talking about their tinned fish. They have sometimes up to 90 kinds of tinned fish, everything from gar, which I've never had to cockles which is a hilarious name, to uh, anchovies, sardines, mussels, oysters, even lobster when it's in stock. It's been hard to get that tinned lobster. I think it got really popular all over the country. I noticed it was available at Whole Foods. Um, but they may, at um, Botanist and Barrel, not only do they have some little gift sets of tinned fish, but they also have large advent calendars of tinned fish and believe me you're going to spend a lot of money on this advent calendar it would be the big gift that you give to somebody but they've been selling them because they have got a real following now for their tinned fish collection so if you know somebody who's adventurous who doesn't hate seafood which people will often say to me and that just kind of blows my mind um but whatever no food shaming uh and uh you know somebody that would enjoy a lot of tinned seafood get them one of these advent calendars all right oh and then um cultivated cocktails over there we're going back in the other direction to where we started over there by the grove arcade 
cultivated cocktails. It's got excellent gifts for all of your friends who drink alcohol and have home bars. Like Dawn has an excellent home bar with a lot of different varieties of alcohol. She makes great cocktails at home, and I often shop for her at Cultivated Cocktails. All right, folks, those are some of my Christmas suggestions for downtown Asheville. I'll come back in a little bit and we'll say goodbye. All righty, folks, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my guest, Chef Alex Bax, and thanks to WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world who take my humble podcast and turn it into a radio broadcast. I think that's pretty cool. And folks, please follow me on social media. I am Stu Helm Food Fan on Facebook, Instagram, Substack, and TikTok. And if you eat something good, let me know about it. Bye. (laughs) 